was considering, I had really good breast milk and I was like, could I sell my breast milk on a black wow. market? Nothing would faze me. I'd just be so deeply chill and relaxed. I kind of already knew that I wouldn't be that though. But always getting to a point in that career and day job where it all became too much. Welcome to Finding Me Again. Passion, purpose and parenting. And what happens is my children then come home to me singing because the music's back on. Oh, oh, I can do this again and my brain still works and yes, this is it. This one's for the busy, loving, spread thin parents and those who love them. It takes a lot of work to find ourselves again or maybe for the first time and you've got to know where to look. Finding Me Again podcast is here for you. I'm Rachel Lackey, psychotherapist specialising in parent fulfilment and mum to two little boys. In this podcast, I interview parents about a time when they felt the most lost and the passions that got them through. I'll be gathering the things they've learnt along the way and throwing in my own tips that you can use to find fulfilment. Today I'm very excited to welcome my guest, one of my lockdown heroes and someone who's brought amazing joy and community to my life over the past year, Nerida Waters from Brisbane, Australia. She's a choreographer and the creator of Common People Dance Project and during lockdown, the Living Room Dance Project. It's a group where lots of mums and dads mostly express themselves and act, as Nerida says, like kids. She describes the style of dance as bold, bright, daggy, funny and joyful. Welcome Nerida. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm very excited to be here. So as you know, this is a club for parents who feel lost or found or anything in between. And I wonder if you could start us off by telling us about a time where you felt lost or unfulfilled or that there was little space for you as a parent. Yeah, so definitely the first two years of um, being a parent, being a mother, Mm. um, I was extremely lost and probably the year before as well. I am a theatre performer and theatre maker and was doing lots of touring, I suppose, beforehand and just got to this point where I just wasn't excited anymore and, and a lot of my friends were touring their own shows overseas and we were starting trying for a baby and trained as an actor but wasn't a massive fan of plays <laughs> which was just and and wasn't really interested in being a film actor so it was this kind of in between well where I really loved making mm. theatre um, and loved group devised theatre and physical theatre the structure and the community of circus but didn't have any circus skills so I oh. ended up doing lots of acts with circus kind of community um, and also had lots of dance skills but wasn't a professional dancer so kind of sat between this theatre dance comedy world as well and I don't like stand-up comedy. (laughs) It's weird. You knew who you were though, you knew what you liked. I knew what I liked but it was this in between all these art forms and never felt completely comfortable in any of those kind of 100% communities I suppose. So it was about blending them and creating your own work? That's right and then every now and then I'd you know land on projects and go yes this is it you know and then that project would finish and then you know have moments where just completely lost and then find another project and two of that for years and Mm. um but then had Finn my boy um the first two years was extremely lost all my good friends didn't have children and my family was interstate 
my husband was um, is an actor as well, so he was um, touring away a lot in that first year and, and extremely busy working. Um, mm. So he just felt really extremely lonely and trapped at home and um, and and didn't love that early stage motherhood period. Mm. Not a natural nursing kind of mother. I was just really, really lost. And I had no idea what I could offer the world and was desperate for to earn money as well. I was very oh. broke at the time and I went, uh-huh. actually, don't know if what skills I have for employment. Uh, I was considering I had really good breast milk and I was like, could I sell my breast milk on a black wow. market and yeah, um, to gym junkies? Oh <laughs> I was like, I want to get lots of money for this. This is one thing I'm really good at. Really good at, really good at lactating. <laughs> it was just really kind of quizzing my brain and, and was really envious of my colleagues that were touring shows um, overseas and, and not, not necessarily the projects that we're doing, but just that they'd found themselves and that they were really loving what they were doing. I was just jealous of that immersive passion. Yeah. And your husband was still doing his thing, being creative and out there. That's right. And doing it really well, like really jealous. Yes, <laughs> um, and and the human connection and, and being um, a natural extrovert and community-based human where I get my energy from community um, he'd come home late at night, slightly tipsy, and go, mm-hmm. oh, we bumped into our mutual friend so-and-so who says to say hello. And I'm like, oh, how good mm. would it have been if... Sounds great. Sounds great. Would have been yeah. lovely to see their face. So he was working every night, bar probably Monday night. Um, so he'd wow. say, well, you could go out Monday night. And I was like, yeah, where am I going to go on a Monday uh, night? Like, oh. Exactly. So you were spending pretty much all your time with Finn. Lucas was away. Lucas's mother is was incredible, a beautiful oh, mother-in-law um, who was constantly just like, I'm here for you and completely related to my first time in my life, panic attacks and, mm. and anxiety attacks um, and went and saw a psychologist who was great because I just kind of lost that. I remember just feeling at one stage magic, which was a really weird oh, feeling wow. where um I felt no sense of self to the point where I was stepping out of myself and observing myself. Wow. Um, and, and I remember being hanging out the washing and then my mind was in Lucas's head going, oh, she needs to come up here, like just the, my baby needs to do this and, my, and putting my head inside my mother-in-law's head and, you know, just all judging me or, or needing uh, needing me and things. And, yes. and I went, wow, I can see into brain. And like my mind just started spiraling. I went, oh, this feels a little bit dangerous. This doesn't feel... Yeah mentally healthy (laughs) Um, the way I saw myself before I had Finn was kind of a very playful naughty kind of fun person and I went how do I be a mother and still be that very playful irresponsible dickhead narrator (laughs) like how do I marry those things and I remember this psychologist just saying you just need to put your mother bear hat on and you can take that off like I went oh okay I kind of understand that being a a theatre actor based person where you can go you can be different versions of yourself and that's fine in context you don't have to be I suppose a bit chameleon in that sense there's different parts of your personality of course that that need to be present at certain times. It doesn't mean that you're not being genuine but that you're drawing on different parts of yourself in different roles, in different relationships. Yeah, that's right. So one takeaway from your story, I think, get therapy. If you've lost your anchor, I guess it sounds like, you were drifting off. That's right. Without those people, the work, your hobbies, your sense of self. 
Yeah, no one to chat to as well, like so apart from Sue and my mother-in-law, you know, she was she was really um, a great, calm personality to chat with. And I think she may have gone through um, various um, similar kind of things to what I had as a mother. So she was like, I know where you're at. <laughs> like, I, you know, I can relate. So that was really great. And meanwhile, your psychologist encouraged you to tap into the theatre side of things with taking on and off different hats, different roles. Yeah. And also I'm not a, a good delegator. So there was times when because you would be stuck sometimes in a chair breastfeeding all day or doing something. Like, I haven't eaten lunch. I haven't eaten breakfast. I haven't showered, oh. all these things. So and especially at that early, really early stage, those first 12 weeks of going, I really need you to just put that meal in the freezer, put that out for me, or just those small tasks that would make a, a huge difference. Yeah, to value that huge job that you're doing as a mother, as any parent who stays home with their child. That, that is equally challenging to what the partner out there might be doing in work, if not more. <laughs> so much more. Yes. I remember going back to work and um, one of the first jobs I had was for this children's festival um, dance teaching to 2,000 kids at this mm. dance party all day. And so I was like, oh, you'd be exhausted. And I was like, I don't, this is so easy. This is a rest. <laughs> this is a rest, seriously, than looking after one baby at home. Like yes. I think because of the, the responsibility and the anxiety of a, of a mother with a first child is... It's, yeah. it's huge and, and their emotional roller coaster that they go on every yes. 10 minutes you're doing as well. I was like, we were great for one minute and then next it all went to hell and yeah. next it was okay and then I was confused. And <laughs> Of course, it's a roller coaster. And meanwhile, your body's been taken on a roller coaster ride after nine months of pregnancy already. And then now it's giving more. That's right. And feeling responsible and that it's personal that your child's still upset, that you can't soothe them, that sense of inadequacy. That's right. Yeah. No, it wasn't a sleeper and you're reading all those books. Mm. You're like, oh, maybe I'm just not calm enough. And then you, we had rain sound going 24-7 in our house. <laughs> yeah, we've all got tinnitus now because of the constant white noise, but it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Any sleep you can get. So how did you get from there to the point you're at now? Because spoiler alert, you did find yourself and community and your niche. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was working before Finn on a thing called Queensland Music Festival where I was going into big isolated rural towns in Australia um, and choreographing the whole town doing oh. a big outdoor show wow. um, like with the school children and choirs and motorbike riders and horses and sometimes <laughs> um, like boats in the harbour and things like what? that. So it was, it's like a big kind of outdoor spectacular. So I thought that only happened in the films. <laughs> in big gorgeous. rural Queensland sometimes, yeah. you know, um, what are they called, um, bulldozers and, you know, machinery out west. So I did that for six weeks every two years it was a project oh. that would go out west so I did one before Finn and then one when he was 13 months old and I went away every month for six months so one week yeah so it was my first job away which was really hard because you had to leave um Finn with Sue and Lucas moved in back to, into his parents house and they were oh, together yeah. so that was all smooth sailing yeah um but it was so it was so liberating for me to step step completely out of mm. um, the household and being able to get your brain back and actually 
go, oh, I can do this again and my brain still works. And You could still rally together that many people into something beautiful. Yeah, and these beautiful people in these isolated communities, you just saw the effect of, oh, wow, you know, we're doing a show and we're putting on costumes and we're out in the middle of, you know, in these rural isolated towns. So I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to bring that kind of spirit back into Brisbane, Mm. um, into a bigger city where um, I knew that would be hard because it's really hard to connect people in bigger cities like that in country towns. And so I tried to start dance classes, common people dance project classes. They were all ages, all abilities. And they were okay. I ended up getting a cut, like maybe 10 people in a class that were extremely shy, Mm. people that had never danced in their lives, um, you know, get 50-year-old men who were like, I just want to lose weight is my my aim. Or, oh. a, you know, a woman who's like, I've never danced in my life. Can oh, you wow. teach me how to dance? Oh, and I, wow. And I think my theatrical desire I was trying to do was too much for them oh. like, okay I was enjoying it to a certain extent but it's like oh. I wish they'd just get silly and jazz hands and go for it they wanted to be a lot more silly they were taking themselves very seriously which oh. was which was great but I was I was like oh not really this kind of dance teacher that feels like yeah. a really proper dance teacher <laughs> I can't really bring my dickhead narrative to this so that's what was needed yeah I think I had a brain wave in the middle of the night um of just the word Rocker Steadford and remembered at school that I was a, a Rocker Steadford reject. What does that mean, a Steadford? Okay, so Rocker Steadford was a thing that happened in the 80s and 90s in Australia where schools would put on a seven-minute spectacular dance, theatre, political um, stage presentation that they wow. do in an ent- entertainment centre. And schools would go all out with giant sets and you know, that would fly up in the air and, and and there'd always be some weird, vague theatrical theme over the top. Like yeah. we're going to do this piece is about Mother Teresa or this piece wow. is about, um, you know, World War Two, and, yeah. you know, just really extreme <laughs> heavy weighted <laughs> issues that they're dancing jazz yeah. to it, like wow. in sparkly costumes. It's, it was hilarious and kind of... <laughs> In Australia, everyone kind of laughs about it. It's a bit, it's very daggy now. <laughs> totally sincere at the time. Totally sincere oh, at the yeah. time. A lot of people either were in the Rockers Tiffwood and was so, had the best time of their lives mm. or were rejected like myself <sighs> and were so jealous of other schools. And we'd all go and see these other schools win the championships and they were on all the radio stations and the TV channels as well. And they get big sponsorship from big companies. Whoa. That sounds very character forming, whether you were in or out. That's right. And um, the theme of it was say no to drugs, like, oh, you know, or yeah. no smoking, like <laughs> was the kind of overall theme to Rocker Steadford. I'd love to see that interpreted in dance. Yeah. So I think it was an, a thing that was kind of stuck in the 80s and 90s, which was my aesthetic of music. You know, I, I advertised um, on Facebook that 26 years ago, I auditioned for my school rocker Stephen and got rejected. And to this day, I'm carrying the bitterness in my polyester puff sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to start my own rocker Stephen team and it's going to be awesome. There'll be a performance. There'll be, 
you know, costumes. There'll be halftime oranges. We'll show them. Yeah, we'll show them. Yeah. It'll be cheap. Everyone's welcome. You can bring your dog, your brother, your sister, your baby, anything. Um, and so people just, with that combination of celebrating the reject, celebrating daggy dancing, Rocker Stedford, which meant 80s, 90s, ironic, and doing a performance. I could feel yeah. people wanted to get on stage, everyday people, and you know, those opportunities you get when you're kids, but you don't get when you're adults. So I bet you got a different group show up for that then. That's a completely different group. And that just, yeah. that word Rocker Stedford, immediately I didn't have to explain in Australia what it was people just went and I got all these personal messages from people going my school won the school rocker step but I was in a purple unitard with (laughs) flames up the side and I did a backwards walk over upstairs and we won and I'm like oh my god it's like a 45 year old woman saying Uh, yeah you know that was the peak 14 the peak of her life (laughs) and other people saying they were rejects your instant connection I bet for people and community and hilarity of just taking the mickey out of themselves all these mostly middle-aged women um just going I've had kids haven't danced for 20 years um, I got two left feet. I'm in the right place. This Let's do this for me. Let's do <laughs> yeah. this. And we just get together on a on a weeknight and just laugh yourself sick. It's six thirty on a Monday night. I feel like I'm at my cousin's wedding at three a.m. You know, drunk off my face. But yeah. we've got to this stage. So liberating for me of going. Oh, I get to go out on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, be with like-minded people, my own age Mm -hmm. people that I can relate to, dress up in leotards and leg warmers and and dance to your favourite songs that you hear in the supermarket. Like I mostly get them from, you know, just going down to the supermarket and go, oh, yes, Queen's song. I want to break free. Let's do this. Yeah, it gets you going. Big big bangers, Whitney Houston. And you're like, oh, how can you not find all the joy and the love and and do Whitney Houston proud? spent every playtime choreographing I want to dance with somebody when I was at primary school that's a banging song isn't (laughs) it my favorite memories of that time (laughs) so by then did you already have the sense that you'd reconnected with yourself and you knew what you were about and you could bring that to other people totally did you find it through them or bringing a lot of energy the first night I knew that I was really important to create a whole atmosphere a world Mm -hmm. that people come in step into this dance class and they feel like they're in a different place and how do I do that just with myself and I was like okay the halftime oranges are really important it just means a team as well like Uh, you know a a sporting team and connects people my mother always brings halftime oranges for the soccer team so they eat their oranges while they're having a pet talk by their coach yes so that's what we do in class as well. We're like, right, halftime oranges, everyone gather around, grab your, grab your orange, yeah, and then we'll get back to it. And it's so hot in Brisbane all the time, so mm. there's nothing like, you know, and I put them in the juicy freezer, like cool. frozen Ooh. juicy orange. Oh, now you're talking. You're just hot and sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing was making sure that I'd always put myself lower status of going that someone who's who's not been to a dance class ever before is coming into this space that they're going to see this this teacher that's that's not going to be stretching her leg up the side <laughs> of the wall and yeah. everyone's just in a space it's a really welcoming space so you knew that's what people would need how did you know that had you experienced that yourself probably 10 years prior there's my uh, working partner when we first started um the project common people dance project we started running this dance class at a festival, which ended up turning into 
um, a flash mob thing that we'd travel around um, to different festivals. And he physically was a complete and utter opposite to me, um, a six foot four Samoan man and me being tiny little mini pocket rocket. Um, we were teaching partners. So we'd teach all these dance routines together and, and really explain that the way my body interpreted the dance moves was very different to the way Fez is. So it was a perfect demonstration of body positivity and we want it to be all ages and all abilities. And when we taught these classes, we were um, really aware of the people coming into the space and wanting dance to be extremely accessible to to anyone and everyone and we had you know a man in in a wheelchair who was coming to do the dance class was like great excellent creating dance moves for him making everyone else danced you know to what his abilities were we had a woman who was eight months pregnant we had um teenagers with disabilities in i was thinking back to when we worked in this street festival in canada the diversity of the people in this class was so broad security guard and his dog came (laughs) and did the classes as well and i was like wow this is kind of awesome that there's all these people that don't look like I'm a dancer in a dance mm-hmm. class which we all have in our minds probably late teenagers or early 20 year old and a certain body type and how boring and ridiculous that is and then mm-hmm. as soon as you step into other cultures you know like South America or many other places everyone dances no matter uh, what age yeah. you are what ability your body is you've got some part of your body that you can move yeah and it feels bloody good in yeah. sync with Others, other people yes. even strangers like it's it's an incredibly powerful way for humans to connect as we get more civilized we're stepping away from those very basic core connections of what makes us feel great moving to music along with other people is yeah. is almost religious isn't it it's yes. ceremony and it's yeah it is that experience of awe isn't it in community oh yeah and oh. surrendering yourself to that music those songs that come on when your feet are blistered up and you're ready to just go home and you've had enough but you're like Uh, I can do another one yeah there's songs on the dance floor how can I not it's salt and pepper so you started the classes and then everything clicked with that with with me of just finding myself I went I finally found since I left university after studying as an actor I finally found what my gift is to the Mm. world which is this very specific weird niche thing (laughs) and I realized it's exactly what I was doing when I was five six seven and eight which was creating dance routines in my bedroom imagining the community was all behind me while I was doing it and then knocking on my neighbor's doors and going right we've got our neighbor like we put on neighborhood concerts with the kids in the street and like once a year yeah I'd be knocking on the doors going right I've choreographed the piece and then all these kids that were very (laughs) half-assed going on there it is making us dance to culture club and not bringing the passion come on guys not bringing it supplying all the costumes supplying all the moves supplying all the passion forcing people to be there getting annoyed at the parents when they'd laugh at us and not take us seriously Because I'd be dancing to like songs like Dancing in the Sheets and not realise the sexual innuendo. And I'd be flying the sheet above. And I actually remember stopping my tape recorder and going, it's not funny. And then rewinding it. And then I'm going to start this again. Gonna and you're going to watch this properly. (laughs) And these poor drunk parents just going, oh, we can't cope with this eight-year-old girl doing this very earnest, serious piece that's about it, you know, sex. So I realise that's exactly what I'm doing now. I've returned. There's not much better than that. If you can touch back in with that seven-year-old self who was free ideally if you had security in your childhood that age when we were able to express ourselves be totally in touch with our bodies 
got really inhibited yet, cared that much about what other people thought. And it feels so good, doesn't it? Like I remember one husband coming and watch, he wasn't performing, he just saw the end of it and he said, you're actually teaching people how to lose their dignity without getting drunk. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in Australia, I always say, you know, we're being dickheads, but that's kind of just a, a belittling of, of what it is. It, um, it's actually just teaching child play and giving adults permission to go, it's a Monday night and let's put on a bit of disco nonsense on our bodies. And you're suddenly teaching them, you know, year seven drama 101 activities, but they can't get enough. And they're these people that are in really serious jobs, like, you know, we've got lawyers and doctors and um, a dad who's an undertaker and psychologists and and people that are working with you know special needs shoulders full of responsibility really massive and full and then by night they're up you know doing these ridiculous things and I love the exchange too because I live in such a all my work is so playful and silly and I'm going oh wow I'm finally getting a chance to hang out and play and work with you know the local doctor and it's someone who's in the dance class uh, or the doctors and I oh hi it's <laughs> really lovely getting to meet everyone in the community that's from different walks and vocations in life yeah which I love I can't get enough I'm really loving that part of it I started that two years ago we're in our third year now the Estefford and it's yeah keeping on growing so we've now got teams on the Sunshine Coast which is about an hour and a half north of Brisbane and down the Gold Coast which is an hour and a half south of Brisbane. I haven't got used to managing people yet and delegating. Mm. (laughs) I just get really awkward that that, um, and it's stressful because then I've got to make all these videos for all the not just look after the te- classes that I've got to teach. I've got to go, oh gosh, I've got to prepare their class tonight and their class and their class yeah. tonight and send videos. And then that worry of, you know, if anyone's dissatisfied as a punter as well, it's very <sighs> stressful. <laughs> it's, it's going yeah. faster than than what I have systems um, to really keep up with at this yeah. stage. But if you're stretching yeah. yourself, stretching myself, spread a bit thinner. Than before, very thin maybe yeah. <laughs> laying the groundwork for you know That's things right. to be in place for the future are you That's still right. able to maintain the the joy and the dickheadness in all of this yeah all the participants I'm loving and all the people I'm working with absolutely loving it's just the at-home logistics which I'm desperately doing my fins at school mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that stuff which I'm like <laughs> yes and all the administration I think and recording things and we'll probably take the fizz away from it because I yeah. find sometimes you get so busy being fizzy and about it that you're pretty unproductive uh, yes. <laughs> go, okay I need to just take that wasted energy of headless chicken and just write lists and concentrate a little bit better in my calmer approach yeah this book's good hyper focus by Chris Bailey how to work less and achieve more that's exactly intentions and all this kind of thing. Are the boys still yeah, in home? Cool. Like oh, it's so good, Nerida. Concentration. Oh, yes, headspace. It's such a difference. And on the one hand, I don't dare get excited about it and plan for it because at any moment we could get a text from school saying they'll be home for another two weeks because someone's got a case in their class. But on the other hand, you've got to enjoy it while you've got it, haven't you? You can't just spend your life waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's right. Appreciate it. Lap yes. it up. Yeah, and if you've found something or been able to hold on to something this past year, like the Living Room Dance Project classes that you've been providing online, that you can do whether you're in or out or shaking it all about with COVID restrictions or whether the kids are in or out of school, that you can find a time for at some point during the week and connect to your body, connect to your passion, be who you really are. <laughs>
that's right. Yeah. 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 And especially in a year that's provided so much unpredictability that's been so out of our control, I found it so essential to find those pockets of time to just be me doing my passion, doing what the seven-year-old me used to love and knowing people around the world are doing the same and we'll come together in a video. And I think as parents, most of us need this anyway because life can be so unpredictable. We give out a lot and we can get drained and we need refilling. That's right. And I think it's a real shame when people have to or feel they have to give up the things that make them them and that keep them going because they do so much for others. That's right. And I think our age group as well, I find that there's a lot of people that are looking after elderly parents. Mm. It's this in-between period. There's huge responsibility for this yeah. middle age period. So, Yeah, if you're lucky, you've got some years between the children becoming more independent and your parents needing you. So if that's you now, these might be your golden years. So go for it. Invest in yourself. Yeah, so finding just those little smidgens of time to just go right I'm going to just be playful and just put all my responsibilities on the shelf even if it's just for an hour and do what it do whatever completely rocks your boat how do you fill yourself back up you're obviously working on a lot of projects that bring a lot of fulfillment to others yeah so I um I definitely am the opposite when I'm not I'm a class I pour a thousand percent energy in and but I'm pretty much a vegetable on like Thursday morning like after my three mega nights I feel like I'm doing a one-woman show Monday Tuesday Wednesday and treat it like that I suppose the energy outpour then Thursday I'm pretty much like Mm. and I've been surrendering to going to either physio or getting a massage every fortnight and go can you work on my hips or weekends if we don't if I don't have a gig we'll be quite introverted our family Mm. will just hang out watch movies surrendering to your body's needs on Thursdays just getting nurtured that's right and I don't crave I suppose on weekends to be that social because I've been social now work, yes. which has been great and exercising in my work, which is great. So I don't have to do the social exercise thing outside of work. That just all happens in work. <laughs> and does that mean turning down invitations sometimes then and having those boundaries? Yeah. So I, um, I definitely would, you know, love to see friends, um, but, you know, priority go family um, first because I've had the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. But then sometimes friends will go, oh, come out dancing. I was like, oh, I don't dance (laughs) (laughs) unless I'm getting paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're hearing the truth. Not necessarily being paid for it, but my body just says no. Like I've I've done my limit. (laughs) Yeah. Probably would only want to do things like yoga or something or stretching. I feel like Mm. on weekends I feel like a tight nugget (laughs) of knotted muscles, you know. Yeah. So come on then, give us some tips for finding the passion that you have. I suppose from my experience of just thinking about what I was really excited before having kids and being really clear about what really made me feel alive and and I suppose even as a as a child of what things I really, what were my dreams and what I really dug and to think that those dreams are really never too old really like you're never too old to kind of achieve those dreams really depending I suppose on exactly what they are. You don't have to grow out of them necessarily it might be the key you might have got it early your happiness that's right of and I did a lot of I was probably probably a couple of years before Finna and then a couple of years after of you know just endlessly writing frustrations down and trying to just be clear about exactly what I wanted to create and um, oh so you did yeah. a writing process to find I did a writing process yeah what just constantly that? writing um did you ever do the artist way 
Well, I've only done the first chapter. So the thing that stuck with me from that was um, so waking up in the morning, just writing written diarrhea pretty much, just spurring out, blubbering out, don't censor it, just to find out what kind of repetitive patterns are constantly in your head. Mm. You're like, maybe I should be active on those things, like saying the same, a bit of a worn-out record, complaining about the same niggly things in my body or desires and never acting on them and then just seeing patterns in my writing and and then just trying to achieve those kind of things. Writing lists, definitely having huge cravings of of going, I really want to offer the world something (laughs) meaningful that I'm really excited about. And when I first started doing those common people dance projects, receiving so much great feedback of what it was for them, of feeling so great. I was like, oh, that that actually makes me feel really better um, doing things for community than me performing and people watching me and going, oh, you're great. I I enjoy giving other people opportunities to do that. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Being a facilitator of good times and and bringing them on board with me play. A facilitator of good times. I love that. Yeah, helping people find the joy and the playfulness. So it must take a lot of energy to lift everybody up with you you know just going oh god why is my energy so low and and just accepting as you're getting older that hang on everything's a balance act you know if you're putting that much energy out Mm. you've got to suck it in and that suck in time is really really important um otherwise you're going to just collapse or or not be able to give out as much so just being really precious about that downtime and accepting that your body's telling you what it needs that you're tuning into it and it's not that it's not good enough or supple or fit enough or young enough but that it's having a conversation with you and you're listening as you get older you, you can still do those things you've just got to make sure you you put put more love in to, yeah. to looking after it all or loosening it up or yeah. <laughs> just checking in with um, professionals is that okay yeah no that's okay you just need to get it massaged out <laughs> yeah so where are you up to now then in this process of feeling fulfilled have you found your balance and your passion is there something left to discover or focus on? Yeah, I feel like I've got a good balance at the moment. I'm I'm getting a chance to to perform, which I feel like a lot of the subject matters of shows that I'm making um, feels all tied into um, the contrast of everyday human and um, razzle dazzle. <laughs> so for the Estedford performance coming up this autumn, are you going to be in that? Because you don't put yourself in the living room dance party online videos. No, um, so in the Estedford, um, I host it kind of a bit like a rock and roll wrestler ref and really revving up the crowd <laughs> to kind of play a really aggressive kind of character. I look a bit like Tina Turner from Thunderdome Brilliant. Um, in the show with giant feathered shoulders and so they're <laughs> yeah. yelling for their team and, and booing the others. It's a big sporting <laughs> arena um, ridiculous event where dads dress up in pink you know bikinis celebrating their team and (laughs) and grandmas with signs saying suck it south side to the other team and (laughs) that's very very silly after several months of doing the living room dance party videos I asked Nerida if I could choreograph one and then maybe she could be in the video and when it came up I thought where's Nerida why is she not in it and then I thought I wonder who that (laughs) That person in the curly Richard Simmons wig and the full red sequins <laughs> jumpsuit is. There was a school opposite us, um, oval of kids who were screaming 
with embarrassment and delight at us about how embarrassing these middle-aged women are dancing in unitards to the max on their soccer fields. That is the superpower, I think, of being middle-aged, if you can access it. Not to care. Not to care. Yeah, dickhead. so Great. good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you? How can they get a slice of all this if they want to? Oh, goodness. Um, or if they want to find out more, they can look up Common People Dance Project. Still running the living room dance parties. If you want to come and have a, um, a boogie with people from all over the world, we're all dancing in our living rooms and um, recording little snippets of ourselves. And then I put it all together to form um a mashup dance video that we all connect with you can find that at patreon.com forward slash living room dance and i'll put a link in the show notes and are you still taking people on for the Estedford dance show in brisbane closing the doors now we've got um aiming to have about 25 people per team wow and sunshine sunshine coast team is 70 oh it's really out of control and Gold Coast is about 38 and, and Southside is about 50. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's exciting and great. But the worries are the stage <laughs> will it collapse. Wow. <laughs> I think there's going to be 200 participants in the Estedford and about maybe 2,000 people in the audience. So it's this Whoa. kind of feels like a gladiator arena yeah, I'm just, really hoping to be part of it next year yes so I'll just be the highlight of my life and even even this year where we'll, we'll try to um, make a video of, of, the, uh. of the interstate and overseas uh. <laughs> giant video screens yes <laughs> I need to start thinking about outfits then tell me that's right <laughs> that's right I have to that. think of the perfect song Thank you so much, Nerida, for being my very first guest on the new podcast. I think you're wonderful and you continue to inspire me all the time. And it's brilliant to hear the story behind that. Here are some of my takeaways from my interview with Nerida. Pay attention to balance in your life. After teaching classes and dancing for three days a week, Nerida rests for the rest of the week. She does physiotherapy, massage, yoga, stretching, and she protects the introvert time that she needs with her family, turning down invitations if needed. Also write frustrations down to be clear about what you want to explore if you're feeling lost. Nerida used the Artist's Way book, a technique in there of writing daily morning pages and that helped her to identify patterns and complaints in her body and repeated desires that came up for her that she needed to act on. She talked about the importance of finding small bits of time to be playful, putting your responsibilities on the shelf, even if it's just for half an hour, on a regular basis. Think about the things you loved before you had kids. And as you reflect, see if you can find ways to connect with your body, whether it's through walking, in the woods, undistracted, yoga, meditation, dance in this case. On my newsletter this week will be a video guiding you through three ways that you can explore, reflect on and make plans based on the things that you used to love when you were a kid, the things that really made you you and bringing those into your adult life to find fulfillment. Join the mailing list now at rachellackeytherapy.com forward slash podcast.